March 7, 2021. Week 10. 100 Day Challenge. The Backstory. Wisdom. Well, you may not realize this, but one of the unwritten requirements in the job description is that the new pastor look remarkably like Pastor Greg. So here you go, Greg. I remember this. I didn't start with this, Greg. I don't know if you remember this. It was years ago when you were still here and we used to meet in your office weekly. And one day, somebody on a Sunday morning back then came, said to me, you know, you're starting to look remarkably like Pastor Greg. And that was about seven years ago. So that two, I think we met on Tuesdays or Wednesdays. I don't, but I went into Greg's office and I said, Greg, somebody this weekend, and I was almost a little forlorn. I said, like, somebody this weekend said, I'm starting to look like you. And Greg, in his deep voice that you all just heard, said, well, Paul, what's so wrong with that? And I said, I better stop this whole conversation right here. So, um, Greg, it's, it's, an, it's so good to have you pray over me to hand me the shepherd's crook. Thank you for that. Everybody, it's an honor to be here standing in this place. You know, you have moments in your life where you feel like you're looking in from the outside, right? And you, you look in and you see all that the Lord is doing and you say, that, that's really my life? I don't understand how that all happened. And that's how I feel right now. As I stand here, I'm humbled that you guys have selected me. But even more than that, I'm humbled that the Lord feels that I'm the right person for this position. And the commitments that Joey had, us, had me make, me and Holly make, I will do my best as your lead pastor to maintain those every day. I promise. I will do my best. And, and there's some of you who I want to hold me accountable. Not all of you, but there are some. No, I just, I, I have a group of guys in this church who I know are holding me up, who are standing right by my side. And I, they have a high responsibility they may not be aware of, but they're the ones who are going to hold me accountable to the things I'm declaring to you. So thank you. And, and you guys can do that too. I'm just joking. But I, I'm just overwhelmed with um, the emotion of today. So if I stumble through what I'm about to say, I'm sorry. Um, or I'm not even that sorry. It's just an emotional day. So as I was preparing this last month, uh, I had time to step away from being here in the office every day. The board gave me the ability to uh, just spend time thinking and praying and preparing for what lies ahead. So most days I found myself down at South Creek in, one, in the convent, which was interesting. I was in a convent preparing for this. It was really a fascinating experience. But as I was there, I just had some incredible times in the word with the Lord, just pouring over the scriptures. And I remember praying as, as last month began, saying, Lord, what do you want to tell me through the scripture? What scriptures can I hold on to as I start this new journey? What are the things in my ministry that are most important? Guide me, Lord. Show me scripture. Use it to, to inform everything that I do. And then he gave me James. And he has a sense of humor, doesn't he? Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Thank you, God. I needed that. Because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance, and perseverance must finish its work so that you may be, be mature and complete, not lacking anything. And as I sat there in prayer and reading over the scripture, I said, Lord, are the challenges coming really that huge? And he said, yep, they will be. But it's okay. It's okay. Because those challenges will build you and make you and prepare you for what lies ahead 5, 10, 15 years down the road. And the challenges of today will make you who I need you to be tomorrow. 
It was sort of like when I taught my kids how to ski a number of years ago. Actually, I taught my kids and Holly all in the same day. It was a brilliant idea. Let's go to the ski swap, get all kinds of equipment, go. And then we were at Buffalo Ski Club and I said, all right, everybody, let's go ski. It didn't work that easily. I'll never forget that day. There were tears Poles were being thrown. I heard over and over again, I'm never going to do this again. It was one of those days. And the kids were even crying too. It was unbelievable. (laughs) But it was in that day and the the time that followed that that I realized that that the perseverance, the the attitude to keep going no matter what's happening, to to really lean into your struggles and troubles and learn from them, is really what this passage is talking about. And now when I go skiing with my kids, I don't even know where they are. I don't watch them. They're just sort of off on their own. Most of us in our family love skiing now. I'll let you guess who doesn't at a later date, but there's one who doesn't. But as I read that, and as I feel like the Lord gave it to me, I felt like it was a word for us as a church. The church, consider it joy whenever you face trials of many kinds. I think that's for me and for you. And in our world right now, that can be really hard to live by, can't it? It seems like every corner you turn around, there's a new trial, a new opportunity, but there's something that exists around every corner that challenges our faith, that puts our faith to the test and makes us really decide if we're going to follow God or if we're not. And I feel that as a church, the more we say yes and we develop this perseverance, it will get this, this result that, that James writes about. We will become mature and complete, not lacking anything. What does that look like? I want that for my life, and I think it'll be a lifetime pursuit. I don't think we'll ever really get there, but I definitely think it's something that we should strive for so that we become mature and complete, not lacking anything. I say it's a lifelong pursuit because I never want to get to the place where I think I don't need God anymore. I always want to lean into him and trust him because I know that when I do, I find him faithful and I see his work in my life. If I feel like I've arrived and I've done everything, then what do I need God for? It's a lifelong pursuit so that we become mature and complete, not lacking anything. And then James writes these words. If any of you lacks wisdom... He should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault and it will be given to him. As we enter into this next chapter as a church and as we talk about the 100-day challenge today and we're on the wisdom literature, I think this is an appropriate place for us to spend some time. What does it look like for me? What does it look like for you? What does it look like for us as a church to pray for wisdom? As James is writing these words, or as he wrote those words, I'm assuming he has the words of Solomon in his mind and the interaction that Solomon had with God so long before. You see, in that interaction that Solomon had for God, he was sleeping one night and he heard these words. God came to him in a dream, which, come on now, wouldn't you love that? But God came to Solomon in a dream and he said, ask for whatever you want me to give you. Oh my goodness, carte blanche. Whatever you want, Solomon. Whatever you want, I will give you. If you had that same question of from God asked to you, what would you say? 
Well, I can think of some things that might be common to you, or maybe they're just my own, but I'd want financial security. I want health for me and my family. There's a whole bunch of things that I think I would start rattling off thing after thing that, God, if you're going to give me this, this is what... But listen to Solomon's response. I think it's incredible, and I think it will shape the future of our church as we begin this new chapter together. Solomon said, Now, O Lord my God, you have made your servant king in place of my father David, but I am only a little child. We'll get back to that. I am only a little child who do not know how to carry out my duties. Your servant is here among the people you have chosen, a great people too numerous to count or number. So listen to what he asks for. So give your servant a discerning heart to govern your people and to distinguish between right and wrong for who is able to govern this great people of yours. Let's go back to the beginning of that for a moment because Solomon actually said, I am only a little child. But the reality is when this was written, it's guessed that Solomon was somewhere between 18 and 27. It's hard to know for sure, but it's definitely not being a little child. So what was Solomon really saying when he said that? Well, I think I have an idea. I think he was humbling himself before God. I imagine he even fell to his knees, and and however this looks, but he said, God, I am only a little child. I think he was understanding that God is God, and we aren't. He was falling before the feet of the Almighty God and saying, God, I, I am just, I am little, I am humbled before you. Your presence is so great, so incredible, so remarkable. And in front of you, I'm as a little child. For the king of Israel at that time to make that statement gives great honor to God telling us who God really is and showing the position that he fell and or he had in Solomon's life. And I think it's a lesson to you and me too. In our world, it's easy for us to become our own little gods. To think we know right in each and every situation that we have a plan that if, if God follows our plan, this is what'll happen and it'll be so good. How often does that work out for you? But I think in this passage, we see Solomon saying, God, you you made me king. I'm the greatest in my nation. And still, I fall before you and say that you are God and I am not. Lord, he he humbled himself. If, If I could picture his posture, he may have been on his knees with his face on the ground, just laying there saying, God, I am a little child in your presence. And then what he asks for is so beautiful. So give your servant a discerning heart to govern your people and distinguish between right and wrong. Given the question, ask for anything. Anything. He says, I want a wise and discerning heart. I want to understand things that are beyond my capacity or my capability to understand. I want to feel your presence in my life. I want to do things your way. In a sense, he's saying, God, if it was up to me, we'd go this way. And if that's the wrong way, show me. And I think this is incredibly important for us as a church right now. Joey asked me to pray for you, and he asked you to pray for me. And one thing I think we should be praying for each other is that we have wise and discerning hearts. 
We should be praying for that for ourselves and our times in the word each and every day. That when you pray for a wise and discerning heart, God, and we'll see in a minute, it really pleases him. My time in the word every morning I get up, if I really get up when my alarm goes off, is roughly five o'clock. And I, sit, I go downstairs and I, I sit in my recliner. I have my Bible and my coffee. And for the first half hour or 40 minutes, I don't say a word. I just sit in the presence of God in solitude. There's nothing else going on in the house. And I feel like the Lord speaks to me. And, and, and I hope you have the same times. And then I spend time in prayer and then I read the word. But it's in times like that where we need to come together, family, as, as a body and say, God, give us wise and discerning hearts. The challenges and the needs in our culture, in our community, in our families, in our own lives are huge. Give me a wise and discerning heart because you are God and I am not. And don't wait until a struggle or a challenge arises to pray that prayer. Don't use it as a band-aid when something awful happens. You say, oh, I've got my get out of jail free card. I'll pray for a wise and discerning heart. It's almost... That's not the point of this. It's to have a mindset and an attitude that we walk every day of our lives seeking the Lord, asking him to guide and direct and to show us the things we need to be doing in this world. The people to whom we need to be sharing our faith and sharing what we know about Jesus. The ones, the, the opportunities that exist, whether it be here in the South Towns, in the city or globally, to step into somebody's pain and be the hands and feet of Jesus. We need to have that posture of having wise and discerning hearts. Verse 10. The Lord was pleased. Just pause there for a second. Isn't that beautiful? The Lord was pleased that Solomon had asked for this. So God said to him, since you have asked for this and not long life or wealth for yourself or have, or have asked for the death of your enemies, but for discernment and administering justice, I will do what you have asked. I will give you a wise and discerning heart so that there will never, so that there will never have been anyone like you, nor will there ever be. You see, when we pray for a wise and discerning heart, when we humble ourselves before the Lord and we say, God, your ways, not my ways. When we come before him as a church and we say, God, how do you want us to live in this world? I have some ideas, but your ways, not my ways. And let me tell you, the things that you think are important, they may fade away to be nothing when you, when you present them before God. The things you're passionate about or excited about, God may come in and say, well, that's a great idea, or maybe that's not even that great an idea. I think you should do this instead. But it's through humbling ourselves and coming before God and seeking his face that we begin to understand those things. You know, my experiences in the last couple months have been really, really incredible. There are times when I'm so excited to be your lead pastor that I just can't wait and for this day and all that, then there's the moments down here where I say, what in the world did I get myself into? Do you know who that church is? Just kidding. And it's in those moments where, where I, I, I come and I, it's a good thing I already seek the Lord every day because that's when he speaks to me and that's when he shows me. And 
So my question to you, what are the things in your life, what are the struggles, or maybe what are the opportunities that you have right now to to see God's wise and discerning hand in your life, to ask for him to, to give you wisdom and discernment? We all have things right now that we're going through. Like I said, our culture is a mess. And we need to be seeking God. And instead of doing it on our own, be seeking his face and following his lead in each and everything we do. And remember, he is God and you are not. Solomon understood that and I think we do too. Like I said earlier, we're in the middle of our 100-day challenge, and it's an interesting week to have your first week as, you know, be installed today, and then to have it be week 10 of this big journey we're on together as a church, but I thought it was very fitting that we were talking about the wisdom literature today, and we could dive into Solomon a little bit. You see, not only did the Lord grant Solomon wisdom, Solomon only also wrote a few books that we are going to study this week, or a couple we're going to take deep looks at this week through our reading plan. Psalms, um, excuse me, Proverbs and Ecclesiastes were actually written by Solomon. The wisdom that he received from the Lord, he gave back to us as a gift. Written in roughly the 900 BCs, um, Proverbs and Ecclesiastes are a chance for us to hear directly from God's heart. We're also going to take a look at Job this weekend. The author of Job is unknown, but it's thought that it was written during the time of the patriarchs, roughly 2000 BC. But again, in Job, we see wisdom on how we're to live our lives and the things we're supposed to do as we take one day after the other. And the wisdom literature sort of breaks from the main narrative of the Old Testament. We've been talking a lot about Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, about the law, about the prophets, about the the judges and then the kings and so many things. Well, the wisdom literature steps back from all of that And it gives us foundational principles for you and me to live our lives every day. It gives us things to grab a hold of, to put into practice so that we can live in this world with with wisdom. So as you read in our reading plan this week, and as you take a look at week 10, and you know, this morning or today, you should have read Job 1 through 3, and then it'll continue on. But as you read this week, do so with a heart that's ready to receive what the Lord has for you And as you read the wisdom literature. And maybe you could answer these questions as you read it. The one question that I think of whenever I read the wisdom literature is how should I live in this world? What are the things I should do practically day in and day out to really live and to walk wisely in this world? And the second question, what do I do if life doesn't work out? That's a tough question, isn't it? What do I do if there's a diagnosis I was not waiting for? What do I do if this issue comes forth in my life? And some of you are in the middle of that right now. You know how painful life is. You've you've felt it's ugly, um, the ugly sides of life, and you're struggling. And maybe this week, as you read through the wisdom literature, you will find the answer to that question. What do I do if this life doesn't work out? What do I do if things are, are really challenging? And I bet as you read Job, you might find some help in those issues. This literature gives us a different perspective on how we're to live in the world. So as you read Proverbs, remember that it was Solomon's wisdom poured out for us in little bite-sized chunks, actually. And as you read it, allow it to inform how you live, how you think, and the things you do. Ecclesiastes is probably, for me, the most problematic wisdom literature that is in the Bible, because it's really incredible. The main theme you could say is, life is meaningless. 
Thanks, Solomon. That's really helpful. And then there's three themes that emerge as you read Ecclesiastes. First is the march of time, how time is going and going and going, and eventually everything you do will be forgotten because who cares? All right, that's really uplifting. Can't wait to get there. And then the, the, another theme in Ecclesiastes is we're all going to die. And it's true, but when you read it, it's, it becomes a reality. You're like, oh, that's hard. So yeah, that'll be fun to read too. And then the, the final theme is... Um, life sort of has a random nature. And fools can prosper while the righteous might not. And just beware, because if those things happen, don't be surprised. Spontaneous events happen that can really change everything. So enjoy reading that too. All that to say, as you read Ecclesiastes, it's not just about doom and gloom. It's about putting your finger on the issues and the potential pitfalls in life so that you're prepared for them. So that when they come your way, you're not surprised. So when the challenges that Ecclesiastes lays out, they they come to you, you can say, oh, I read about that. I understand how that might look moving into the future. And it's actually an encouragement if you look at it that way. And then Job, um, I hope none of you ever have a true Job experience other than by the end of the book of Job, he had such a knowledge and an understanding of who God was through his pain, through his struggle, through the loss of everything he had, he really understood who God was. So as you read Job this week, try to figure that out for yourself. Why would God let this man who lived a righteous and an honoring, a God-honoring life all of a sudden fall into all this chaos and disarray only to be raised up yet again? It's a fascinating read. And as we touch on those three wisdom literature pieces this week, let them sink deep into your heart. Our problems are important to God. And he has a way of looking over us and turning them often for his purposes. We're just touching on the wisdom literature this week because to read through all of those in one week would be a daunting task. But I encourage you to to jump in. James 2.5 says, again, If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. So with that in mind, with our desire to seek wisdom, I have four challenges for you today. Four. And next week, you have to tell me how you did. I'm going to have notes. You have to know. So anyway, the first, join me in praying for discerning hearts, for yourself, for me, for our church. In your times in the word, really seek God's face. And just like Solomon prayed, maybe we pray the same thing. Give me a wise and discerning heart and see what God does. The second, join me in reading for our 100-day challenge this week. As you look at week 10, Today, like I said, is Job 1 through 3, and then tomorrow we do the end of Job. We miss the whole middle, so you miss all the really interesting stuff. But this is my challenge. As we read it this week, I pray that this just whets your appetite for what else could be found in these books. And as we touch a little bit on uh, Proverbs and Ecclesiastes and Song of Songs, that you use that as a desire, make that, use that to build a desire in you to go deeper and to read more and to really see what the Lord might have for you. So join me in reading reading the wisdom literature. And the third, join me in reading the proverb of the day. 
You see, Proverbs has 31 chapters. A lot of months have 31 days. So if you correspond the the proverb of the day with the day on the calendar, like today is March 7th, I would read all of Proverbs 7 and see what the Lord says to your heart. And let that become a practice where every day as you spend time in the word, you read the proverb of the day. And just don't read it, but then as you read a bit that really speaks to you, journal it. Write it down. And maybe you have a section in your journal where it's just proverbs of the day and each day you have a different little section that that spoke to you. You would be giving yourself a gift if you did that. Because then as you go back and review it and read over it, it would be like the Lord is speaking to you on that topic afresh. And, and, and it, would, it might be just the encouragement you need on a given day. So proverb of the day, you can start that now, you can start that after the 100-day challenge, but I really do recommend that you jump in and do that. And the fourth, one of the things that is going to become more of a priority for us as a church is corporate prayer. Two weeks ago, we had a call to pray and we were in this room. There were about 100 people in here and a number online who are watching. Well, our our next one is actually tonight at 4.30 or this afternoon at 4.30 where we're gonna gather together again where there's gonna be some worship, more of an acoustic type worship set. But then we're gonna be able to pray for our future as a church. I thought what a great way to start off and to kick off my time by coming together and continuing the attitude of worship we have right now into the evening and doing exactly what I was talking about, praying to God just like Solomon did and saying, God, give your servant a discerning heart. God, give your church a discerning heart. As we enter this next chapter of our future together, what a fitting way to continue our worshiping and prayer this afternoon. So please consider being here at 4.30. If you don't have anything going on your calendar, it, it would be a great way for you to spend your afternoon. Or even if you do have something, maybe it's time to just cancel that and come here instead and see what the Lord has for you as we gather together in prayer, praying for our future and the things we hope to see here at Watermark. I know that in our years ahead, we're going to see the Lord do great things. I believe it with all of who I am. Part of that is gonna be praying for wisdom and seeing what the Lord does, seeing how he guides us, where he brings us, the new things, the new heights, the new opportunities that we will find. I'm excited to be on this journey with you. God, we thank you for this morning, this opportunity to learn, to grow, to just actually today turn a new page in our history together. And Father, as history is important and we look back and see all the things that have mattered to us in the past, the future is what we get to be a part of now and and seeing and realizing a new future that is different from maybe we've even dreamt. So Father, as we embark on this journey, I pray that you would guide and direct us into new areas of ministry, that you would give us wise and discerning hearts, that we would be a blessing to the community, that we would be full of hope, healing, and grace as we minister to those in our our surroundings, in our community, in our schools, those we work with, our neighbors, wherever we find ourselves, that we would be your ambassadors, full of wisdom, loving people well. 
We thank you, God. And we pray these things in the mighty and powerful name of Jesus Christ. Amen.